get you go to school. And who's your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? Welcome to the Conditional Release Program on podcast that delves into the nether world of cults, crims, and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we are going to start on a brighter note and look at the bizarre misadventures of the Julian Assange wannabe Simeon Boykov, who has taken refuge in the Russian consulate to avoid going back to prison for assault causing actual bodily harm. Where's the Russian consulate? It's in Double Bay, isn't it? So he's yes, really it's nice upsc- upscaled that yeah. address. Yeah, fancy, it's fancy. it's got to be an incredibly unpleasant experience for the Russian consulate staff, who are now sharing a toilet with the Adaman himself. Yeah. Can you imagine what that bloke does to a bit of porcelain? <laughs> I shudder to think, but that's the price of freedom. Well. His freedom. He's always going to fuck up his parole. It was a matter of time, and he was always going to be a real prick about it. That's what he's like. That's what he's like. So we will continue to look at that, and we'll continue to look at our probe into that William Miller shooting, which has unfolded dramatically since last episode. So much has has come to light. Bloody excellent work from journalists across the board, and some of our listeners who have done amazing work as well, which journalists have, you know. Yeah. have amplified and they've uncovered this complex story behind the train trio and i'll cover some of the sort of boneheaded conspiracy theories that have followed from all the usual suspects and they're basically just coming out with excuses to avoid any kind of responsibility for what happened mm, and speaking of responsibility which i can't pronounce right now i'm responsible <laughs> for shaking the coin cup at you dear listeners to help yeah. keep this thing of ours la cosa nostra going <laughs> we have a Patreon, and uh, not only do you get a warm feeling from helping us keep this thing going, but Very you warm. also get a shitload of bonus content as well. Yes, you do. Yeah, there's bloody hours of the stuff we've done here, and some of it's actually not bad. I mean, like, it's kind of worth it. I'd like it if I wasn't me. So give us some money. It really does help. It means we can put more time into the show, and for as little as $5 a month, you can have access to all the good shit behind the paywall, which we actually have kind of worked on, but you'll also get our undying love. And Absolutely. while that, it does seem cheap. Um, unrequited, still, unrequited it, to be fair, but undying. But it's good love. It's good love. $5 worth of love actually ain't bad. I'm telling you right. You'll get yeah. value. Yeah. Yeah. Used to get you a lot further in the old days. But anyway, so <laughs> crack out your credit card and join up at patreon.com slash the condition release program. But enough of that. It's time for the conditional release program's weekly news. Tis the season and all that. It is. And we just have to start with Simeon Boykov and his utterly pathetic attempt to weasel out of the consequences <laughs> of his actions. Imagine that. Oh, it's just so out of character for him. So many of you know that Boykov is out on parole after serving four months of a 10-month sentence. He got it down from six on appeal, blah, blah, blah. But while his parole period was about to expire so close, he just couldn't help himself and he got in trouble again, which is not surprising whatsoever. Quel surprise. This time he went to a pro-Ukraine rally to harass the people demonstrating, as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. And this is all very textbook Boykov, but he alleges that he was actually going to buy a nice warm coat for his upcoming trip to Russia 
don't know why I planned a trip when he was on parole, and was surprised to see a pro-Ukraine rally and spontaneously decided to just go and have a look and make some content. He'd actually already requested to go, to be given permission to go yes. to Russia. And yes. had been knocked back, job. Yes, and it's just one of those things where it's like, mate, you're not going. Stop mm. buying warm things. It's summer. Yeah. That being said... The cold snap in Sydney, he actually made the right choice. I hate him for that. Well done, Boykov. Well done. Good, good. Excellent lifestyle choice. The first good decision you've made in a long time. Your nice, warm Russian jacket. So in the process of filming people and hassling them, he was approached by a 76-year-old, 76 mm. years young, man mm. who he then pushed violently downstairs. He required hospitalization. He was okay, but, I mean... It wasn't a bit, good. A bit shaken up, yeah. It could yeah. have been very, 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 very nasty. As I say, 76-year-old men tend not to fall well. At that age, you don't fall. You have a fall. And when that happens, bad things happen. But, of course, mm. the Cossack is coming out claiming this was in self-defense because, you know, the big scary old man. But it's probably going to be difficult to claim that it was reasonable and proportionate to push an old man down the stairs. But you know the Cossack's lawyer, Mark Davis, is going to do his best to spin this and get him off the charge. Yeah, good good lawyer is He's uh, a good lawyer. Davis, excellent criminal lawyer. Uh, look, I, I, did, I did watch the tape and I saw a, a, a touch of the hand. A 76-year-old man reached out and touched Boykoff's hand. So first contact was made by the elderly gent, um, but the response was no way near reasonable to to uh, propose a, a a successful self defence defence. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> so that's the problem. A, a hand on yours is not quite the same thing as pushing someone down. What? couple of steps. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very difficult sell, but they'll try. They'll try. Because they are going to court on this. Because Boykov was arrested and taken to Day Street Police Station in Sydney. Maybe. Well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Where he was processed and charged with assault occasioning actual bodily harm and granted conditional bail to appear at Downing Centre Local Court on January 25th. Now, after being released, a little conversation was had behind the scenes and Boykov's parole was revoked and he was ordered to surrender himself to police, which he did not. A warrant was issued for his arrest and Mrs. Cossack, well, I assume Mrs. Cossack, was posting on Telegram that early morning raids were conducted targeting relatives of Boykov, you know, knock, knock, knock. Well, that's what police do when you breach bail conditions. There's a warrant out for your arrest, you fucking idiot. So Boykov did the most reasonable thing uh, and sought political asylum at the Russian consulate in Sydney, Hmm. claiming that he has no faith in the legal system, no faith in the police and no faith in the courts to be fair in the process. Because apparently getting charged for assaulting an old man is tyranny now. It that's, is. That's it's a tyranny. new form of tyranny. Oh, yes. my God, the oppression. I can't I can't <laughs> handle the police arresting people for assaulting why, old men. Why can't I be allowed to push the elderly around, Joel? I know, totally. First they came for the old man bashes and I did nothing. It's communism. It's Just- communism fucking embarrassing. So Mark Davis, his lawyer, legitimized the stunt with a statement saying to News Corp, I can confirm that Mr. Boykov is currently at the Russian consulate in Sydney, that he is seeking consular assistance and is considering seeking refuge at the consulate and then exploring his options thereafter. Well, there you go. So he's doing a Julian Assange. He is. You know, Julian, of course, famously entered the Ecuadorian embassy in in London, of course, and um, took up residence in a room. And he was often called, perhaps unkindly, he was often called Mm. Cupboard Boy because he lived there for a very long time. But the truth is he lived in a women's toilet, which was with an anteroom that was basically changed in order to (laughs) meet his needs, the toilet and so forth remained there. Um, but uh, the sort of ante room around the toilet, um, uh, around the toilet area. I'm not a huge fan of Assange, but um, and he lived there for insane. six and a half years. 
all I all I want to say, Joel, is would you be happy if Simeon lived in your shit house no, for six and a half no, years? No, I wouldn't, and for very good reasons, and for reasons related to the shit house. Be very I'm telling you that porcelain's going to get fucking beaten. Simeon, Simeon, tidy yourself up. Here's a wet one. Here's a wet one. Please, oh, that's man. Awful. Boykov has cemented himself as a true pest who will do anything for attention. This really is absolutely textbook for him. His plight has reached Russia media, as usual, where he has laid his persecution complex on incredibly thick with reports that he's seeking Russian citizenship, claiming he is a victim of persecution as he is a true patriot who is always on the side of Russia in an unfriendly country. He's Russian Jesus. I just honestly, just go to Russia and fuck off and don't come back. You no. think we'll miss you? No. But of course, this echoes previous sentence by Boy- sentence by Boykov, and that was actually said by an official over in Russia. He claimed he was working hard on Russian interest in an enemy state. And yes. of course, the enemy state's Australia. That's us. Yeah, that's and us. like, you got these mm. fucking bootlickers in the Western suburbs you think is the coolest guy ever. Dude, he's working against your interests. Wake yeah. the fuck up, you morons. Anyway, Simeon Boykov's a massive cunt. This is just a massive stunt for him to get more attention and, you know, likes from morons. And, of course, the reason he's seeking political asylum is not because he has to. It's because it gets him attention. And the Russians are playing ball because they love this circus. Yeah, well, look, he seems to have misunderstood the nature of political asylum, Joe. Surprising. I mean, look, you can do it at a consular office or embassy building, but generally speaking, you need to be in the other country before you well, say, I call political something. You can do it in consular offices, of course. But they, the other side of that argument is, as you say, he will have to go and live in Russia. Good. And when he gets to Russia, he's going to get shanghai in <laughs> Putin's army <laughs> and off to the Donbass where Simeon will become the biggest pinkest high Mars target the world has ever seen. You've got to get there before you ask for political silence, Simeon. You know, you seem to be missing that. Ooh, Imagine him being like, oh, yeah, um, yeah so late. <laughs> I want to have dinner with uh, Edward Snowden. They're like, no, you're not having dinner with Edward Snowden. Oh, end no. Of night. End no, no, of night. you're going to be a target for firearms in Ukraine. Good luck no, to you. I'm Yeah. Enter. <laughs> Exit light. Enter night. It's like yeah. in Vietnam when you can uh, you can pay to shoot a bazooka into a cow. And that will be Boykov. Someone will just pay money and they'll be like, don't worry, comrade. The money is going to the war effort. Thank you, Simeon. Thank you for your sacrifice. You Please fucking moron. stand so you can just point it straight at his ass. Oh, my God. I'm just now I'm picturing his ass and I fucking hate you for doing that to me. Here's a wet one. Here's a wet one, Simeon. Just, Please, here's the wet ones. Use the wet ones. It'd have no shape. It'd just be this drape of skin. <laughs> Anyway, anyway enough not, of that. I'm not going to share that. It, look, it is absolutely stunning that his supporters take him seriously and don't see him as a fucking clown in a circus he's not making. But that's because his supporters are incredibly stupid. This yes, is the amazing are. thing about targeting anti-vaxxers and these kind of fringe dwellers. He's, most of them are fucking morons. That's why they're anti-vaxxers in the first place. But with any luck, eventually they'll wake up to this absolute fucking charade and it will end very badly for him because without his supporters, he has nothing but Teflon Boykov will likely end up with yet another slap on the wrist from the judiciary, which he's so scared of, not at all. Mm. And if, cause like, let's say, let's face it, if he did this in Russia, he would be a bucket of Novichok right now. <laughs> of course, instead, he's just a bucket of shit waiting for a higher Mars to hit him in the ass. But <laughs> what I'd like to see happen here is 
when he does finally get to the courts, if that does happen, I mean, he may actually be serious about his political asylum, which is do it. really bad move, as we've discussed. Fucking but, do it. Uh, but if he did do that, I mean, the sorts of things that should be imposed on him if he is found guilty, he is um, yet to be found guilty, but if he is, uh, an, an intensive corrections order would be exactly yep. what Perfect. he would hate. Yep. And Do not general- cause trouble or we will jail you. Yeah. And Perfect. you've got to attend certain premises, certain times, all this sort of stuff. You Look know, how it's- parole worked out for him. It didn't take him long to fuck it up. And now he's like facing jail time and he's run mm. off to fucking Assange in a consulate. What a cunt. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right, let's get sad. Yeah, look, it is uh, an unhappy unhappy news item here, and we're staying with uh, Wyambler, Queensland. And last week I wrote a column why the ambush at the train property there led to the deaths of two police officers and a 58-year-old neighbour of the trains, you know, and why it was not being called an act of domestic terrorism. Yeah. It was a little bit of sarcasm on my part. There are lots of reasons police and politicians don't want to refer to it as such. It's that sort of blood on the wattle argument, and politicians are especially fearful of it. They're sort of willing it away as a one-off, I guess. They broadly understand what they're dealing with, but they don't want to frighten the horses, you know, mm-hmm. an ununified Australia and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, last Friday, and we're recording uh, recording on Tuesday the 20th, but last Friday opposition leader Peter Dutton actually spoke pretty well <laughs> when he said it is domestic terrorism, there you go, Yep. and it's on a huge scale. There are terabytes of data, he said. And he drew the parallel that we've been taking here when Dutton likened the situation 10 years ago when young people started becoming radicalised online to support Islamic State. Yeah, two sides of the same coin. But then Dutton crossed, crossed the Rubicon and suggested the blame lies with social media companies. Peter, mate, the internet is bigger than a bread box and very hard to control. So when you start sort of doing these attacks on social media companies, you know, and by the way, Joel, is the train clip still up on Rumble? I believe so. I believe it's actually been sort of replicated by cloud chasers who are trying to keep it up there. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to this idea of silencing the internet, Yes, okay, Google might respond. Facebook, I believe, take up to two years to respond to police requests. Mm-hmm. Getting subpoenas across jurisdictional lines is a legal fucking nightmare. Yeah. Basically, what you do is you send a form to this company from, you know, good letterheads, and you hope they respond. But generally speaking, they've probably got an automatic filter on their inbox that says, deal with later, because there's no real international force that's going to come down on their heads. And and those sort of, you know, wayward sites like Telegram and Rumble, this is going to ignore you. Oh, totally. And the thing is, it costs money to respond to these things. So even if they had a social responsibility, even if they felt compelled to do this, they'd have to hire staff. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They'd have to hire staff to do it. So in the end, unless there is some kind of world government body that regulates this kind of thing, then it's not going to happen. The only thing they can do is they can basically live in fear of being banned from the App Store and Google Play Store. But that's a whole nother conversation. Either yeah. way, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, as you say, is it still up and rumble? Not only that, but it's it's been replicated because yeah, other people get and clicks. Re- and that's really ugly. For those who haven't seen it, you know, brief description, there was the three of them, the three trains on the property. It was after they had ambushed the police. It was presumably after the neighbour had also been murdered. Yeah, probably, uh, yeah, And they were talking about how they'd removed demons and devils from their property, you know. Yeah, and there's a bunch of other videos as well. And, look, I would say they're not worth watching. Um, they're not... No. They're not really interesting, and it's just it is pretty shit. Um, but look, you can find it pretty easily if you really want to. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it'll it'll stay up online. You know, look, politicians should be guarded about their messaging on this, but not shrinking away from calling out the violent behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And the first thing to say is this: 
this is not a situation that should be framed by ideology or by the old left-right constructs. You know? Yeah, fair. And back in September 2021, there was a police siege on a property in Sandy Creek, 65 kilometres north of Adelaide, which we covered on the conditional release program. Yes, we did. We won't go into it too far because it remains before the courts. I believe the protagonist there is uh, has has gone before the courts just last month, but there's but yeah, it's still pretty no, fresh. Still no outcome. We'll keep you posted on it, though. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep you posted. Uh, We're choosing not to name her, I guess. Yeah, I think I think so. Okay, just given cool. the nature of proceedings that are that are taking place against her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when that raid occurred, South Australian police described the communal living on the property as, and I quote, "a sovereign citizen freedom farm." <laughs> now, by any measure, this was a group who, if you really felt the need, would describe what you would describe as green left. Yeah, yeah. For what it's worth, according to his online engagements, Gareth Train identified as a Christian conservative. And I say for what it's worth because clearly he wasn't a conservative. You don't get to call yourself a conservative after ambushing and murdering three people. No. Christian, well, yes, and we'll get to that shortly. But left or right doesn't really matter. And if you're looking for a sign of ideology in the SA group or the trains in Wyambula, you're missing the point. And both were very dangerous situations. The former, attended by a large group of police who ultimately yeah. made arrests after a standoff. Yeah, true. And uh, the latter, of course, was a highly planned execution of police and whoever else got in the way. Fucking neighbour, yeah, terrible. The major issue around this, whether we call people sovsits, preppers, or late for dinner, what is obvious is religious fundamentalism and extreme distrust of government and all its branches, law enforcement, health admin, etc., is the most dangerous nexus of all. Totally. And we see this in the Maya Place Parallel Councils, which is covered in Tim Paul Tales. We see it in the Parallel Fake Unions under this sort of red union yes. umbrella. There's a parallel health organisation that's apparently coming out of the woodwork and Monica Smith wanted to set one up for some weird reason. We've got a union run by people who hate unions because there's this weird backlash to this existence of these enforced rules during mandates and lockdowns. But at the end of the day, look, these are parallel organisations run under very strange ideological lines that are not in the interest yeah. of their members or anyone around it. After a while, it stops being funny and it starts being concerning. Trying to discern left or right is it's actually sort of pointless and what pointless exercise and a waste of time. Yeah. When we look at that sort of issue of religious fundamentalism and then when we think of um, indigenous members of you know, this amorphous movement, this sort of sovereign citizen movement for want of a better term, the same can be said for them. You know, you just replace animism and, and culture uh, for fundamentalist religion. And, and, you know, with the same sort of fundamentalist zeal, you know, it's the same thing. The same psychology is at work here. Totally. There's there's power, there's clout chasing. Like we saw Buddy Shillingsworth creating that parallel police force, the law enforcement thing, which yeah. he basically just bought a car with appropriated charity funds, slapped a decal on it, but he was applauded by ABC Indigenous in November 2021. I saw wow. another puff piece by a community radio outlet, The Wire, claiming the law enforcement unit was in consultations with elders, this entirely independent service is aiming to restore tribal law to the traditional lands of the Murawari and Bujidi peoples. No, this is a group of peeled idiots who are trying to start a parallel yeah. police force to enforce laws they're making up as they go along because it makes them feel good. And it's mostly for clout. These are, as you say, for lack of a better term, I'm sorry, Rob, sits who just want to have some fun. And hopefully what after what we've seen here... The media won't treat dangerous stunts like this as these sort of wonderful moments of cultural expression, but actually dangerous developments from a group of pilled idiots looking for power. I mean, like, this is the thing. These people are almost always bad actors 
doing bad things. And as we all know, it involves people sitting in dark corners of the internet, in messaging groups, subreddits, chat rooms, whatever, where relatively small groups of people ideate violence over and over in these echo chambers until it becomes normalised and terrorist outrages become possible. Yeah, or inevitable. And let's look at terrorism. There are a lot of tortured definitions out there, tortured because the world can't see, uh, can't come to a, an easy agreement on what constitutes terrorism and yeah. what doesn't. And there are reams of paper devoted to it in the United Nations alone. UN member nations still have not agreed to a set definition of terrorism, which tells you pretty much all you need to know about the United Nations. But they have kind of settled on one. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's outstanding. Joe, just read that. Read that definition for me, please. Criminal acts intended or calculated to provoke a state of terror in the general public, a group of persons or particular persons for political purposes are in any circumstance unjustifiable, whatever the considerations of a political, philosophical, ideological, racial, ethnic, religious, or any other nature that may be invoked to justify them. That was a tongue twister. So many is a tongue twister and a a really turgid and unnecessarily complicated definition of what constitutes terrorism. Yeah. But even with this torturous uh, definition, what boxes, you know, did did the trains not tick in here? I mean, mean, you know, we could actually say it's an apolitical group. We we would say there's no philosophical basis to it, but there is certainly religious and ideological basis to it. Um, And then the criminal acts are intended or or calculated to provoke terror, a state of terror, in a group of persons or particular persons or in the general public. Now, you you go and talk to anyone in Wyambler, indeed anyone in western or southwestern Queensland at the moment, uh, and they will be concerned about this. Yeah. They'll be concerned about this, and more Quite broadly, we should be concerned as a nation just how many other people are out there like the trains. Yeah, plotting quietly. You know, it really is. Mm. There's a there's a lot to be said about the conversation after this about what we do with these sort of people who uh, are in this sort of state of mind, and we'll talk about it further down the track. But it is concerning because you know they they sort of walk among us, but they also screw themselves off. It's it's gonna be very hard to enforce this and to understand it, especially with people who come into it with no understanding and, you know, like normies in the uh, intelligence and police forces who just go, oh, yeah, so what's this all about? I mean, yeah, it's, well, a, it's a lot to wrap your head around. These are the things that we need to change. I mean, you know, Peter Duckman's right. It, it, it is domestic terrorism. Yeah. And forgive me for stating the bleeding obvious, and this is also a reference he made, but if the trains were shouting inshallah last Monday oh, week. Oh, fuck yeah. We can feel we can be fairly confident a lot of doors would be getting kicked down right oh, totally. now. Yeah, and so I wanted to have a look at what the banned organisations in Australia are at the moment, banned terrorist organisations are at the moment, and under federal and state law, it is an offence punishable with a twelve-year jail term to be a member, Whoa. just a member of a terrorist yeah. organisation. That's what makes our laws a little bit different to. Uh, the US and Canada, for example. So we'll just have a, we'll have a quick scroll through. Most of these groups are Al-Qaeda uh, groups, um, ISIS groups and affiliates. Hamas is there, interestingly. Hezbollah is also there, added uh, on the, the 10th of December uh, last year. Uh, there's another group, Hurras al-Din, was added in April. Uh, and then we've got the various Islamic State affiliates. Jamal Islamia. Boko Haram's in there. Yeah, Jim, yes, yeah, you, you just mentioned them. Uh, the interesting one there is the, the Kurdistan Workers' Party, which yeah, um, that's uh, it, it's a little bit suspect in that certainly the 
the PKK has been involved in terrorist outrages in Turkey, and yeah, Turkey okay. places a great deal of pressure on 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 the EU, on on uh, on the US, and 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 other countries like Australia to say, yeah. look, these guys are terrorists. Other people might be saying, well, they are freedom fighters, um, Kurdistan Workers Party who've been shafted in northern Iraq and and what yeah. have you, but. But the yes, Kurdish. that's a terrorist, and has been listed terrorist organisation since two thousand and five, oh. uh, and was renewed on the fourth of August. And then we got Lashkar e Taiba, which is another one people may know of. The National Socialist Order was was added in eighteenth of February, and I know very little about them. Yeah, um, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and interestingly, the last two on this list by the dates they were added is the Sonnenkrieg Division. A neo-Nazi group. Um, they were added on the eleventh of August, and then the base, which is another a neo-fascist organisation. And these really are uh, the first, uh, the first of the extreme right gr- right-wing groups. Yeah, and, and knowing the little bit about them that I do, Sonnen Creek Division and the base don't have strong networks here and of course if anyone gets caught you know just just online conversations uh, with members of this group they can be presumed to be members and they can be arrested and then taken off taken off for for 21 days without uh, any recourse to a solicitor or anything like that it gets pretty serious when when, um, counter-terrorism laws are are kicked in yeah i imagine tom tanicky or uh, slack bastard would know a bit about what's going on there with the base and sonic crane division blah blah blah. Mm. they they have their nose on the um on the nazi stank yeah they most certainly will but, but but when these two groups were added uh, to the list of banned organisations, banned terrorist organisations, it was made fairly clear that it was it, it was done uh, on the understanding that it Pretty was empty. a growing movement overseas yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was reaching out to Australia. Yeah. It'd be interesting if they did it to the Proud Boys. That'd really fuck them up. Well, they're uh, facing, facing their own sets of problems now, the Proud Boys, uh, with uh, multiple charges for members for uh, the, the January 6th stuff. Well, they shouldn't be so naughty. Yeah, they are very naughty. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a problem. So when we think about sausage in 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 line of all of this uh, and all these sort of specific bands of terrorist organisations or organise, uh, organisations linked to terrorism, you can see there would be many practical problems with describing the sovereign citizen movement as a terrorist organisation. Yeah. And while there has been an explosion of numbers and indeed of um, online online content, in Australia, it remains a movement itself remains amorphous with no real political structure, uh, and that's the box it doesn't tick on the on the definition of terrorism. Although that's kind of an esoteric argument, it, it's not a political group per se. I mean, really, in many ways, it's kind of opportunism, you know. Yeah. And and the movement's old influences are kind of almost irrelevant now, you know. Wayne Glue, etc., musing over the constitutional legal framework and coming up with all this pseudo law nonsense that says, you know, the police are all criminals and uh, and you can go and do whatever you like to them. Making his own version of the constitution that he sells yeah, for hundred dollars. Sort of stuff. And and that, that's that become almost irrelevant now. Rather, we have a group of people pilled to the eyeballs on anti-vax and five G stupidity, for example, who are playing a game of telephone on social media. You must have played telephone when you were a kid, Joe. No. Well, sometimes we call it Chinese whispers, but that's a bit uh, racist. It is, you know, you, you whisper something in purple monkey dishwasher, and yes. um, and that's the way it's getting through the freedom movement now. Yes. This is why numbers are really, 
really uh, um, burgeoning uh, around this movement, you know, ideating a sort of anarchy where the laws don't apply to them without yeah. that sort of pseudo-legal framework behind them. They just say, mate, you know, you can you don't have to you don't have to carry a driver's license, you don't have to have an insured vehicle, you don't yeah. have to register your vehicle. They've Let's got no the, power you know, over you, it's fine. It's just a man, you know, look what they've done to you lately. You know, look what they've done to you. Yeah. And so that's the, no that's the sort of basis now that it's this kind of this kind of messaging that goes across multiple layers of the freedom movement that says the laws don't have any jurisdiction over you. And I think that's the sort of thing that, like, you know, Be Free with D, D Osmond, those sort of guys, they're the ones who are really spearheading that pivot. Yeah, that's because right. Because while she used to go on the Magna Carta all the time, I don't think she's so much on that bent anymore. I think it's a lot more practical. It's like, here's a form you can send to someone. Yep. Here we can, you know, we can conduct forms of paper terrorism. We don't want to bore you with, with Wayne Glue's, you know, ministrations on constitutional law, you know, because it's boring. Yes. Let's, let's be honest with it. It's boring, and and glue and others are influencers. So let's not diminish their their uh, their influence they over their this particular yep. movement. Yeah, but yeah. as as it's basically morphed and evolved through the pandemic, this is the way it is now. Yeah, that's why the numbers are burgeoning. That's <laughs> really you know there are only so few people, cookers included, who can sit sit down and read what Wayne Glue has to say. You know, yes, or listen subject. to that snapping turtle speak through his red face. Doesn't really spark. And that's, you can't that's, really understand that's the worst Wayne Glue. That's the worst Wayne Glue I've ever You heard. try. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I, need to, I, need to, I need to prepare. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is almost a cult of convenience because it ethically permits violent ideation. Yes. You know, hang Dan Andrews. Hang Greg Hunt. Yep. Hang police. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, and if you keep saying these things over and over, pretty soon it legitimises a terrorist act. Yeah. And with plenty of urging from the others in the echo chamber, be they here or overseas. Yeah, exactly. And it just they one-up each other to the point where, yep. you know, someone stands on a fucking car and has a bow outside of bloody Parliament House. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Yeah. Now, I've been asking Sandy and Sells from Tinfoil Tars what was going to happen to the freedom movement since its halcyon days when it had, you know, maybe thirty or 40,000 people in Canberra. I think that's fairly, yeah, fairly right. Yeah, something like that was big. Yeah, was big. certainly big. And, and, that, and that was only this February, by the way. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like. A long time ago, doesn't it, Joe? Oh, yes. It feels like a very Oof. long time ago. The epic days where yes. they were radiated for their trouble. So uh, that was always, I was kind of fascinated with this. And, and Sandy and Soss, well, they know the cookie universe better than anybody. And so I was always fascinated to ask them, you know, what's going to happen? How is this going to evolve? And it, and it turns out the answer is pretty much what we, what we had thought. Lots of people will go home, carry a certain frustration with governments and the man in general. Uh, yeah. You know, and most of them have. They've just gone home, they've resumed their lives and they have new jobs and all this sort of stuff and they're disgruntled. They're a little bit cross, but they've gone on with their with their lives. And that's the bulk of that movement yeah. has, has basically resumed life. Still angry, still a little bit bitter, but um, but have gone on to resume their lives uh, and still probably play in the, in, the, in the universe as well a little bit, you know, and chat and ideate and all that sort of stuff. But then there's a rusted on section. It's hard to know the percentages, maybe 10%. I don't know. You know, but they, these people can't go back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And not because they not just because they're pilled, influenced by grifters and clout chasers, although they certainly are. Yes. But because they are lost and they are refusing to return. Yeah. They have withdrawn from the cities. They sit on the fringes of society geographically, culturally, politically, and they are raring to go. 
They've got nothing no. in spare time. And, and as Rob Sooty says, for anyone, police or not, who enters their premises, these people, rusted ons, violence is inevitable. Yeah. For some people, I think they're really geared up toward that. Um, and that's what happened with this train situation. But like, look, you know, we joke about this whole van down by the river thing. And it's, it's if you don't know the joke, it's an old Saturday Night Live sketch with Chris Farley. He's a motivational speaker. And, you know, he lives in a van down by the river. And it's this whole thing. But <laughs> it really has. It's, it, it's worth looking at. It's great. We we both know. You know it's funny. But, we couldn't get the T-shirts. They don't ship to Australia. There were Chris Farley. Uh, it was it was uh, his character. Um, Matt Foley. <laughs> Matt Foley. Even yeah. in a van down by the river. God, we wanted them, but it's we couldn't great. get He them. scares the mm. shit out of children. Yeah, it's really good. So basically, this thing has come true, and it speaks this idea of these people ending up on the fringe. You know, Guru sold everything and lives on a boat, and now he just spends his time trying to pill people on Facebook. This utterly terrifying character I didn't know until about after this train thing where he's inciting violence is fucking terrifying. John Wilson, apparently yeah. mates with Guru. Ugh. He lives on a boat too. James Bartolo, quite hilariously, lives in a van. You may have seen him recently pulling bullshit stuff. He stuff. He's, yeah, he's he so funny. Just go and move some bricks for a living. Like, just get a job. Anyway, and also, Monica is apparently occupying her van space because maybe yes, her parents it's cut very it exciting off. job. It's very exciting. It's very she looks funny. looks like she's in a van down by the beach. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you know, a river won't be far away. A van down by the waterway. <laughs> but, of course, and then there's Canberra crew who don't even have vans. They live in fucking station wagons. It's quite pathetic. Why uh, some of them have vans? Under, under plastic. Under plastic wrap. Yes, exactly. They live in glad wrap. God, that was a sad chapter. Oh, bless mm, their hearts. Kind of pathetic. Yeah. Tim Fortales are doing like a, a wrap-up of the, the year, and I think they'll be mentioning stuff like that. God, it's funny. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. So- Let's not forget that also fellow prepper and van dweller Ironbark Thunderbolt from the Canberra days had a sawn-off rifle in his doomsday truck. Couldn't do much with it. It was like a twenty-two from like 1876. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a fucking gun and he had bullets. And there is, like, let's face it, there is nothing more powerful than a man with nothing less to lose. And fuck me, there's a few of them. And they're growing because they're causing shit and they're going to the fringe and yeah. they're holding a bit of a grudge. They're not, they're not happy. Out. Yeah, they're checked out. Uh, and that's that, that's the problem. So in terms of how we deal with those people, it, it's important that police understand know. and are able to recognise threats. So they need to be able to brought up to, to be brought up to speed with what let's say soft sits. I'm sorry, Rob, but yeah. we, we've got to use the term because if we start tossing around alternative nomenclature, then people will just, you know, basically people become either confused or just turn off. It's so, true. So while we use that thing and it might be uh, might be seen as a sort of form of form of abuse uh, for for the members of that movement, we need to we need to have a generalized term. I think one thing that we need to do is we need to sort of differentiate between the larger megaphone and the smaller megaphone. We speak to a certain crowd. We don't really tend to have subsets or adherents or anyone in that sort of vein listening to us. So this isn't something they kick back on. But in the mainstream media, there is some sense of responsibility insofar as making sure these things don't become a, oh, they call us sovereign citizens because they don't understand us. What a bunch of morons. So I can see a lot of that and also the way it does make them sort of double down. I can see a lot of that too. But the problem with that is if, if you're writing a column as I have about sovereign citizens yeah, or the, that hard. particular movement, you, you, you spend every time you're spending – you're spending four or five hundred words talking about the history. This is why yeah. this is, and you know, it, it, at some point we need something a little bit simpler 
to, yeah. to be able to, you know, to take the police and say, this is the, these are the sorts of triggers you will yeah. see. These are the yeah. sorts of red flags that you will get in a routine traffic stop or when you enter the premises of a, of a particular individual. When you hear those things, then you need to be able to assess that risk. Yeah. And, and actually, before you go there, you need to be able to assess that risk. And that means, as we discussed last week, doing basic online searches, yeah. uh, searches of uh, police databases where you, you find out if someone has a shooter's license, where they have uh, can be uh, believed to have firearms on the premises, yeah. do a little bit of intel work. We're not talking about deep state surveillance here. We're talking about basic police work mm-hmm. in the 22nd century. Totally. Yeah. And look, you know, when it comes down to it, they also doth protest too much a little bit. And um, I'm Who's very that? immature. I like to uh, I like to poke them a little bit. So calling them soft sits, if they get upset, yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, I, I look, I think that's that's right too. If it's going to upset them, then it's probably probably not not a big problem for me either too. It, it tends to basically reduce what is a cult to, you know, to something that's a little bit a little bit silly, a little yeah. bit, you know, insane. You know, yeah. you'd have to be a, you'd have to be a cracker to even think about it. Yes, they're a walking contradiction in themselves. The idea of a contradiction in the word sovereign citizen is the beginning of their problems. There's many more. But that being said, Rob, we are listening and um, and we'll, we'll talk about this further, for sure. Yes, indeed. We will. Now, I'm glad we, we covered will. that. Anyway, in more recent news, two men were charged after after they were allegedly caught trying to steal two motorbikes from the train's Wyambula property. And police <laughs> allege, this is reported a couple of days ago, Fuck police me. allege the pair drove out to the Waynes Road property at around 2am on Sunday, 18th December. That's a week after the ambush. Parked their car nearby and hiked through bushes until they reached the house. They then allegedly tried to take off with two motorcycles and were, was, were pushing them to their vehicle when they were spotted by police officers performing patrols as part of their crime scene duties. Uh, a 23-year-old and 25-year-old uh, men from Tara were arrested and have both been charged with one count each of unlawful trespass and stealing by looting. Mm-hmm. The men were charged with a further two counts of supply cannabis and was described were. as an unrelated uh, as unrelated to the alleged theft. Uh, we've heard some unconfirmed rumours that this may be a case of theft in over an unpaid debt to the two men, but that is mere gossip at this stage. You know, sort of maybe a drug debt. It's been suggested, but that is just gossip at this stage. Yeah. So we're not. We, we'll, we'll we'll wait for more on that because these two individuals will be before the courts fairly soon, and we'll find out exactly what they're up to. Um, I just love the fact they did it. I mean, like plead, unless they plead and walk guilty. Away. Probably wise move. Like I mean, like imagine right. going to a crime scene. I'm assuming with a couple of pounds of weed in your fucking, you know, your Holden fucking Commodore, and being. Like oh yeah, all right, I presume cool. that I presume their premises were searched when after they were arrested. Quite possible. Either way, uh, either vehicle. You're quite right. A vehicle or, or their premises were incredible searched. Incredible dead shits. You so just a, have to a, be a, a special... large amount of cannabis in order to be charged with supply in Queensland. Just... I think the, the the quantities required for a supply charge are actually very low. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it might be, you know, an ounce of wheat. Yeah, an And you get done for supply. And in Queensland, it must also be said they've got ridiculous cannabis laws there. Uh, yeah. they can They can do they, – they could be sentenced to 20. Oh, 20 on the roof. Despite the – yeah, anyway. For, anyway. For, for an ounce of wheat. But anyway. Morons. That's what I'm going to say. So – that was a bit of gossip, but we wanted to put it in there. We certainly we find quite a, quite a, um, 
informative that that, that, that the two men were arrested for basically breaking into the property for it whatever reason. It shows you who lives there, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thing to do. Interesting uh, area. So there's gossip around, but there's always gossip around Cooker Circles, Joel. Mm-hmm. And, and we went through the early responses in the Cookerverse in last week's episode. Some good. Most bad, with a lot of nonsense about false flag attacks. Where are we now? Oh, fuck me. There's so much bullshit around false flag attacks. That was the immediate first thing because, of course, it's just like a reflex for these morons. And while a shitload of information has come to light in the mainstream media in the past week or so, there was the fact that Nathaniel Train once rammed a border gate in his car, the one from New South Wales to Queensland, because Mm -hmm. he's unable to cross the border unvaccinated. But I don't think it was even about that because he was dressed in full camo gear. He was in possession of a cache of firearms with knives and a crossbow or a bow and arrow at least. I mean... Yeah, look, the initial reports from Queensland Police and QPS were were saying that it was uh, Gareth who actually uh, uh, had the the firearms license, and we actually yeah. reported that. Yeah, we did, uh, we yeah. reported that they said that in last week's show, but that appears not to be the case, that Garrett did not have a firearms license. Yeah. I would think that there'd be quite a good reasons, quite a few good reasons why he yes. wouldn't yes. be allowed to have one. Yeah. Um, but Nathaniel, uh, high school, sorry, primary school principal, uh, did have a firearms license and, as you, as you spelled out, Joel, a, 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 an arsenal of weapons in his car. Shitload of fucking The guns. other thing that really got me, and I mentioned this in the program last week, was that they had purchased a ghillie suit. Um, you can only get these things online. You can't make them. Um, and, and you know, woolies don't stock them. Maybe get the kids at the arts and crafts, you know. Um, this is a full camouflage kit. You can look it up, G-H-I-L-L-I-E, I think it is, double L. And, uh, and, and that's basically full. Uh, you, you look like you look like you're a mound of grass if you were if you're crouching. Yeah, like a shrub. And that tells me that this had been planned for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of those things you that only buy as other really issues, but that just sort very of confirmed tactical. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's quite. But go on, because you know, this is this is really important stuff, Joe. It is. Look, look, when his car broke down, there was floods. It was a whole nightmare. He basically realised that there wasn't going to be an altercation at the border, which I believe just my gut instinct that's what he was going for. He dumped a bunch of the firearms in the floodwaters and then requested a lift from the local. And later on, those firearms came because the floodwaters subsided. But in the meantime, the incident was reported. The person that he got the lift from, the local he got a lift from, had seen the firearms. He talked to the cops. He reported the border breach. He reported the dump firearms, and nothing was fucking done about it. That's just unbelievable. I know. Like some fucking cooker rams a border, goes through, dumps a bunch of firearms, and nothing anyway. So look, the fact yeah, is, I mean, cost- it's, there's there's an absolute failure of policing there. That's it, so it's, bad. You know, that is so that bad. That gets nipped in the bud. He 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 goes down on very serious firearms charges and one or two other sort of vehicle charges and it would have been public it. order offences. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. We can, like only, it? we can only we can only speculate, and we are speculating a that lot. That could have here. been nipped in the bud there. I mean, but like he's in camo gear with a car full of guns, ramming a border crossing. To me. That was his stand. He was going to say, I don't believe in these border controls. I don't believe in, you know, separating, you know, discriminating against the unvaccinated. And this was going to be a stand, but it didn't happen because the cops didn't show up. 
But either way, he had guns. And after he got through the border without incident, he dumped them. Someone saw him, reported it, and no one gave a fuck. And I'll just say as a side note, Gareth's getting all this spotlight as the aggro one. You know, reports of him fucking disemboweling boars near the school and all this sort of really cooked shit, being yeah. a domestic violence a- abuser, mm. all that sort of stuff. He's not a fucking good guy. But then Nathaniel's this angel who, you know, took a, a wrong somehow turn. strayed, yeah. And, I and, mean- and it- and look, that might be true. That might, might be. be true that he got pilled in the space of, well, a couple of months. But, yeah, he's been painted as sort of, you know, Gareth is the one pulling the strings. He's like that, this angel. But, like, trio. this is a Rambo moment. Well, I mean, look, Rambo's the hero. I mean, it, 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 is, this, is, this what, is this what Nathaniel thought he was doing, I guess? Well, that's that, the that thing. Might. So, in my head, basically, he thinks of himself as Rambo. He is definitely not the hero of the no, situation, okay. but he sees himself as a Rambo. Anyway, great film. Yeah, look, we, we have discussed at length the kind of violent rhetoric that leads someone to feel a level of self-righteous fury that could underpin an incident like we saw at the train residence, but the way that these people will try and spin the story to avoid any kind of culpability, any sort of responsibility borders on the macabre. It's fucking embarrassing. And look, I just say that like I checked Telegram in the immediate aftermath of the events, and there are a few posts, including one from O'Neggs, that were mourning the death of the police, treating it like a tragic event, which it sort of like it was. There was none of this yes. false flag bullshit, none of these paranoid delusions and made up stories. It was just a sad waste of human life that everyone, you know, some of these guys are kind of thin blue line types. But then they found out they were conspiracy theorists and these pseudo-law adherent types, and suddenly the spin started. Immediately they started yeah. making up these fanciful ideas. You know, you saw this when January 6th happened. They blamed on anti-fascists. It's the same sort of bullshit. Yeah, look, it, it, and, and if we think about the timing and the chronology of events, so by midnight on Monday, on the 6th of December, uh, the uh, technical response group had been in, uh, the trains had been wiped out, and that was the that was the nature of the reporting. Siege is over. Uh, the three gun men, two two uh, two men and a woman, had been had been shot dead by police, and and it was only as that unfolded over the next twelve hours or so that we that there was that there was proper reporting of what these guys were about. Yeah, people and looked into it. That's when they responded. That's that's when that's when the cookers. Well, a lot of the cookers. Some ha- some actually have behaved responsibly. Yes. Um, yeah. But, uh, but a lot of yeah. the cookers just started with their false flag bullshit. You know, it was oh, predictable. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. It took him a little while, but yeah. Yeah, we first saw O'Neill's wriggling like a worm as the spotlight was put on him in his comments section. We mentioned a post from one of the users uh, last week suggesting that they take up arms like their brother Nate, and it made a few headlines, which Dave then suggested was, of course, written by some kind of infiltrator. Such sure bullshit, Dave. bullshit. He tried to delete his Telegram group and failed to do so because he's an idiot, and he's now <laughs> suggesting that people join his website for a fee. Always the grift. To discuss things openly without fear of authorities on there. Well, Dave, you might find a few subpoenas landing in your letterbox if you get this up and going. Better get a lawyer, son. Better get a real Real good good one. one. Yeah, I mean, fuck this. He has no idea what he's getting into. But, um, But, yeah, look, I've had some really good messages from some listeners and like just about this and other things around it. Uh, one of them was very interesting because as many of you be well aware, Gareth and Stacey Train had a YouTube and a Rumble account where they posted videos, but sort of mm-hmm. everywhere now, like we said before, I wouldn't really bother with them. A few of them have been posted on social media despite pleas from police not to publish them. We had media outlets like news.com.au and the Daily Mail that posted the videos, but then pulled them after a request from police to do so. Yeah, look, that, I guess that's what Peter Dutton was talking about with his comments. Like I said, he really got he was spot on until he... 
veered into this social media is the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, look by the way, too, Joe, I just wanted to thank, uh, and obviously, our listeners for, for flicking me a lot of stuff. Uh, it's been great. Twitter DMs and, and, and people have been, you know, I mean, we've been speaking to police officers, we've been speaking to people from all walks of life, and there's yeah. a genuine sense of shock and yeah. dismay about all of this. Yeah, it's some really interesting stuff's come to light. And we've sort of anon- anonymized everything in this episode, but at the same time, if you want some credit, man, we'll give you thanks because it's it's great. Basically, one of the videos in this regards the story of Baby Will, which you covered last week with Sandy and Soz, mm. and where the police came into the room. We didn't play the clip or anything, but there was conveniently a cameraman in there. They took the baby for surgery under a court order, and this potentially involved vaccinated blood transfusion. That's the crux of the story because they believe that's going to kill the kid. It's, a, it's an incredible story. Or the, 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 the response from the parents is just unbelievable. And, oh, they just and peeled more broadly as fuck. New Zealand, you know. Oh, it's just it's an outrageous story. And it's worth looking into. Uh, but, like, it's basically believed that the implication that the parents, well, the implication in the videos is the parents were cowards oh. for letting the baby be taken by police and then taken into custody for the surgery. The surgery was successful and apparently you know, the baby's recovering well. Like, there's no reason to be worried. But, of course, it's all made up bullshit. This is what the podcast is often about. Made up bullshit by idiots. And while the online presence of the trains didn't have the usual sort of save the children bullshit, this may have been a contributing factor to their extreme reaction to police and this general hatred for authority because this sense of tyranny, which is reinforced heavily by these online forums and these talking heads in the movement, it is such a huge part of the reasoning they seem to give for their response to police, why this incident happened in the first place. Yeah, I'd say given the timeline, you know, ordering the ghillie suit, you know, that's a month in the mail. Yeah, um, true. Those, those sorts of things. But, yes, you're right. I think that there, that there are certain issues that will amplify. Yes. Uh, that will amplify their responses. And I, I, and I would I think the Baby Will story, which Sandy and Soss have covered in, ask listeners to, to turn to it and have a listen. Yeah, it's our last episode. Um, may well have been just another trigger along the line of quite a few. Yeah. And, like, look, whether Baby Will's story was a part of the radicalization or not, it shows that there are so many things in the conspiracy universe because there's, like, a million Baby Wills out there. It's just whether you're watching or not because there's so many stories they've made up with adverse reactions and all that sort of stuff. These things are designed to make people incredibly angry because anger clicks, anger watches, anger buys. And it does. It gets them angry. And then they get completely pilled because this anger leads them to this chasing the rabbit hole. And then what happens next? Who knows what happens next? And there is another aspect of this which I think is a geographic one because the area the trains lived in, otherwise known as the blocks apparently, has been of interest to gas companies for fracking, so coal seam gas fracking. And the blocks of land in the area are apparently quite small. There are a few acres and it makes them sort of unsuitable for any kind of agriculture. You can't have sheep and cows and you can't grow crops. You can just sort of self-sustain a bit. Well, you can. You can, but you're not going to be not able well. to do it at any sort of economic level. Yeah, yeah it's pretty pissy. So the main thing... You can do it. Yes, exactly. But the main thing that people grow there apparently is weed. So it's an area that's known for drug-related activity. And just, you know, growing a bit of weed to make money on the side, and that's sort of, you know, the guys nicking the motorbike or Yeah, I'm sure that's right. I'm sure that's right. But this is is the sort of stuff you get on the fringes of any of our cities and and, and major regional centres, you know. It's just kind of normal. Yeah, really? oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's not specific to this place. But it just gives you an idea of the vibe of the area. Because no. this may explain why they sent four cops on the day. I mean, this area isn't exactly known for its upstanding citizenry. I mean, like, a couple of locals decided it was a smart idea to nick those enough. motorbikes from a fucking homicide crime scene. I mean, you can't assume that you're walking into a fucking Mensa meeting if you're going to be walking into an area that has that kind of people in it. I mean, fuck no. me. Look, from around 2011, gas companies have been prospecting in the area, fracking, which is 
It's been an issue of contention with the locals. Shut the gate. You yeah, need to do yeah, it. Yeah, lock the gate. Yep. Jonesy. Yeah, Jonesy actually, it. Alan Jones actually marching with the Greens in Wasn't this particular part of the world. Yeah. Sweating. Sweating up a storm, sweating, <laughs> sweating like Simeon Boykoff in a sauna. Sweating like Alan Jones in a toilet. I mean, sorry. It was kind of a wet T-shirt competition, but yeah. not, not a good one. No, not a good one, no. Because um, Jonesy was really sweating there and we did see a bit of nipple work. Anyway, <laughs> um, look, there are reports that gas company staff have have had guns pulled on them by locals yeah. in this particular part of the world. Uh, and this has led to a conspiracy theory with absolutely no basis whatsoever. Knock it over, Joel, please. Well, look, I'm not going to go into huge detail of the theory, but it's been from around 2011 that the gas companies have been sort of prospecting in the area. Mm. And, you know, that's when all this sort of problem's been sort of struck, struck up. The theory itself is incredibly silly. And if you read it, it goes into these like really hilarious reaches where all these people are related. There's Rothschilds in there. Tom Tannock is mentioned. It's fucking stupid. But- it generally, it's really dumb. Like I've said well, it to I you, I can't imagine that. You know, I can't imagine the Rothschilds and Tom Tannicky in the same sentence. But there it's you go. Really funny um, for all the wrong reasons. But it generally outlines the idea that gas companies in the area have been acting in an intimidating manner and causing grief with these said blockies. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. But a fairly important detail here, which the original poster of this thread didn't really look into apparently because it's not one of the reaches they made, is the trains bought their property seven years ago. These coal seam gas wells were installed in 2011 and 2012. Wait a minute. a few years off here, mate. Okay. So, like, the trains were either fully aware of the coal seam gas situation, didn't do their research, or generally speaking, all of this is bullshit and baseless. Yeah. But still. Because the trains, I'm I'm betting Gareth, I bet he did a lot of his own research. I bet he did a lot of his own fucking research. But, Mm. like, yeah, DuckDuckGo is apparently, you know, doesn't have that on there. Very sad. But still, the theory has found roots on Facebook and Telegram. And this is meant to explain why they shot cops and their neighbour in the back. I mean, that's Uh, ridiculous. mm. Like, there's no, okay, makes so no sense. There's no basis for the theory, fine. But even if they what, even if this was exactly the motivation behind the fucking incident, how does this justify killing cops that turn up to your gate? The fuck? You think they're coming to take your house and put gas wells in there? That doesn't justify killing people. No. Mm. Still naughty. So there's no mention of gas companies or fracking in the social media history of the group, including, you know, Gareth, Stacey, or Nathaniel. No mention of gas companies in the videos uploaded to YouTube and Rumble. And why is that? See, they haven't stopped to fucking think about that. And I think <laughs> yeah. I think they probably have. The issue is, is that it gets in the way of their false narrative and they need yep. a fucking story. Because... The reality of the situation is that these people were indoctrinated with extremist ideology from the same places they like to hang out and casually discuss hanging politicians, and this is something they should be forced to accept, but they simply can't do it. They just fucking won't do it. And then, of course, you've got this development today, which is the Queensland Police Service is suggesting they might buy the property to avoid it being bought by conspiracy theorists. I believe that will go ahead. <laughs> it may. It's it's a conversation. And it's trying to avoid this co-opting of this place as some sort of weird, you know, shrine to these assholes. And it should be a memorial for the police and the slain neighbour. But of course, this is being seen as a move to buy the property on behalf of the gas companies. And it's a huge booster to this dumb fracking theory. It's yeah. just absolutely I've seen some other weird rationalisations too, that this is a way of sort of covering up. Well, um, that was the, apparently the grass fire. Was and, burning and, Yeah, that's right. The grass fire morons. was deliberately lit by the police. And Shut to, the to fuck up. Burn this, evidence this, and all this sort of stuff. No basis. Um, it, it, it's just, just bizarre. And there's also a push for a national gun register in the face of the incident to ensure that police are aware of guns that may cross borders. Kind of yeah. makes sense, right? Yeah. 
This yeah. is hyping up the Port Arthur-style theories that it was a false flag to tighten gun laws. Anything you do in response to this incident is going to be a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Just, just fucking I mean, anything. Just, just, to, just to let our listeners know, if you uh, seek a firearms licence, it is a state matter. It is, yeah. Um, you can go through a process. It will be looked at by the licensing squad in your local area and they'll do basic, basic uh, background checks on you to see if you've got one. If you're living in a unit, um, living in a unit in Chippendale and uh, you want to buy a thirty thirty rifle, they're probably going to go, yeah, it's probably a little bit too much gun for you, champion. Yes, I'm going to store mine at the range. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, that, that, all of those things can happen. Um, generally speaking, if, if you want a high-powered rifle licence, you need to have bloody good reason to have one. Yeah, which is really annoying because I'm on. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'll start at the range. Damn, I will. Damn, damn you, New World Order. I really right. like shooting. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, basically there is a push for this natural gun register, and I think it makes a lot of sense. People were surprised that it wasn't there in the first place. But another thing that's happened here is this relationship with a man named Don, and this has been a really interesting element for me as someone who's sort of like, you know, watching this sort of these these fringe relationships because they named this guy in the final video they uploaded mm. after they murdered the two police officers. They said at the end of the clip, We'll see you when we get home, Don. So you get and your wife and Don's lovely wife. Yeah. I mean, it's just got so many religious overtones. And this guy, uh, I was gonna, I'm not even, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna name his uh, online name. Fuck him. But he's a conspiracy theorist who clearly has very violent tendencies. And yeah. he responded in a video after this, saying that the devils came for them to kill them, and they had to kill the devils themselves, and are now on the run. Which they're not on the run. He's I straight mean, out prepper. He's dangerous. There's death cult written all over this guy. Oh, totally. This guy is not in any way, shape, or form okay. He then said, it's no different for us. The devils come for us. They fucking die. It's just that simple. Mm, that sounds uh, That sounds like a real problem. It's not good. I mean, like, they shared interests, right? Fundamentalist Christianity. Well, the bits they like, the really scary ones, the bit that hates gays, hatred of authorities, and this deep involvement in the conspiracy theory universe. And it looks on the face that this Don guy was encouraging this to happen and quite proud that it did, and that's really fucked up. I feel like he has a lot to answer for in this situation. There, is, there are jurisdictional issues, of course, because oh, ob- he's in the States, but, yeah. He can I just mean, tell cops to fuck uh, off, and they can't I do mean, anything about I mean, I, I can foresee – I mean, look, just going to arrest the guy is going to be a problem. Yeah. No, there wouldn't be – I, I don't think he's going to be – Touched by the what, uh, what would he the be? Locals. What would he be charged with? Incitement, incitement to commit a terrorist act. I mean, all these things can be triggered. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I don't know if it works. Across anyway, borders, well, man. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, there's good reason to believe that the train trio called in the welfare check themselves to set up the ambush and kill the officers. That's it's the information fucked. we're getting. The Australians been doing some get. excellent reporting in terms of QPS response and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And and we found from the, and that same reporting was telling us that the property was sort of heavily prepared for it. was almost like they created a, a, a pathway that, you know, there were obstacles blocking people so they just sort of go a certain way where they could be ambushed. Um, that seems to be the case at the moment. We will know a lot more about this, and we hope and pray that there is a, uh, a, a that there is a, a proper and, and public uh, coronial inquest. Yeah, uh, that that needs to take place, and that people aren't provided anonymity and all this sort of stuff in order for them to uh, to give evidence. And that police um, learn from this. And, you know, yeah, police well, learn that, something from this, and they yeah, pay that's Rob not what to teach we want. them. Um, so. You know, we're going to find out a lot more about this. There's, there is a lot of very good media reporting at the moment. There's also some very good Great citizen journalism reporting. going on. But yeah, um, yeah. 
one thing for sure is that, there, that, that we've just been made brutally aware um, that we've got a very serious problem in this country. Fuck yeah, absolutely. And in other news today, as we record this on the 20th of December, 2022, a submission to Parliament's long COVID inquiry, the former Australian Medical Association uh, president and former MP for Wentworth, Kieran Phelps, has spoken of a devastating experience emerging as the most prominent public health figure in the country to speak up about the taboo subject. Yeah. And this is according to news.com.au today. Former federal MP Dr. Kieran Phelps has revealed she and her wife both suffered serious and ongoing injuries from COVID vaccines, while suggesting the true rate of adverse events is far higher than acknowledged due to underreporting and according to her own words, threats from medical regulators. Take it away, Joel. This is from her submission to the parliament. Yeah, I saw this in a PDF form. I wanted to check it out in the original document. And yeah, it's all there and then some. Mm -hmm. This is an issue that I have witnessed firsthand with my wife who suffered a severe neurological reaction to her first Pfizer vaccine within minutes, including burning face and gums, Paresthesia. <laughs> Paresthesia. Yeah, thank you. You made me read that. You suck for doing that to me. Sorry. Should have given and, your heads up. And numb hands and feet. That's okay. My, my head was up my ass. Uh, while under observation by myself, another doctor, and a registered nurse at the time of immunization. This is what uh, she said. So, like, obviously, she's making sure that people know she's taking this seriously. She's not just doing it anecdotally. Yeah. I continue to observe the devastating effects a year and a half later with the addition of fatigue and additional neurological symptoms, including nerve pains, altered sense of smell, visual disturbance, and musculoskeletal inflammation. The diagnosis and causation has been confirmed by several specialists who have told me they have seen a lot of patients in a similar situation. So the first thing to say about this is Dr. Phelps is not reaching for the bullhorn. She's not seeking attention. She made a submission to a parliamentary inquiry. Yeah. And she did so some time ago. But as it's a submission, it's a public document and the media, someone in the media, Somewhere or other, I've gone through the the uh, the um, uh, the APH web uh, website and and pulled this out because yeah. it's a public document. Exactly. Yeah, they <laughs> found it. And the second thing to say is, don't shoot the messenger. Right. I've seen a lot of stuff online, uh, particularly on Twitter, um, sort of doing just that, and and we don't want to do that. And and we have to accept, you know, that that she has no reason to lie. She, she wrote anecdotally uh, of, of anecdotal discussions with other doctors of adverse reactions running at one per 1,000, and she notes that that's kind of speculation, uh, but that on the available data is way too low a ratio. But as we've always said in the conditional release program, more data is good, and that's mm -hmm. what she's saying. She said, look, and, and we've had mild adverse reactions to the vaccines. You had one, Joel. I know I had one. My first vaccine, I felt as crook as Brookwood the next day, but only for a day. Yeah. Um, and you had similar sort of mild adverse reactions oh, to the vaccine. Oh, the fourth vaccine. one kicked my ass. Holy yeah, the fourth shit. one appears to be kicking a few asses around oh, the place. So um, shit. And, and, and so, you know, that, those are problems. And so if we want to load all that in, that indicates the problem problems with reporting. So you and I caught this mild adverse reaction and we didn't report it. 
Well, I've, I have actually a, a reported adverse reactions because they um, they used to do a – when you did it at the government mandated places, they would send you a survey and I used to say, yes, I have had an adverse reaction. I had okay. you know, headache mm-hmm. fatigue and things like that. Um, if and- I got something like that, I ignored it. Um, oh, and, yeah. and that's probably not right, but I yeah. So, so, but there yeah. are so there obviously are issues with reporting. So we'll, yes. we'll probably never get to the full extent. No, it. definitely not. Because but, but one you thing we do know, there, there have been deaths. I think fourteen in Australia is the right figure, and it's a terrible figure, right? Uh, and I hope the families of those who died as a result of receiving the vaccine are well compensated. Something that's impossible to know, given the opaque nature of the compensation scheme. Yeah, these yeah. people should be loaded up with a lot of money. I mean, well, it won't absolutely. help, it won't help I, their grief, um, but it'll, but it'll allow them to move on. And always maintain that people who have either adverse reactions that impact their lives or are associated with a death should have money thrown at them. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, I, I, like you, I read the submission. I read um, Karen Phelps' submission in full, and what yeah. she's really seeking is transparency. At transparency, and that's what we need. Yeah, that's really what she's talking about here. And, and, and there is a very important public disclosure element with the COVID vaccine, vaccination program. Yeah. And we need to have all that information before us, before our eyes, in public records. And the TGA, Commonwealth, State and Federal Health Departments need to be providing that to us. Totally. And, and they need to be transparent, not just because we need to make informed decisions, but also if you deny truth, if you hide it away, if you hide, you know, hide hard facts away and important data, and and make it as hard as 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 possible for us to know them, you also leave yourself open to cooker manipulation and disinformation. Well, in that situation, they're right. If there yeah. is a conspiracy to cover up the truth about adverse reactions, well, it's not yeah, cooker I, at that point. I wouldn't describe it as a conspiracy. I, I would describe it as a. As, as an institutional failure. Or an institutional cover-up. No, I'm not saying it's a cover-up. I'm okay. saying that, 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 you know, there's not enough. Firstly, there's not enough weight being given to studies. So the studies that we have aren't really broad enough to, to draw any great conclusions. Yeah. You've already talked, we've already talked about the holes in the data about people who have received the vaccines and the third and fourth boosted or the second yeah. and third, sorry, first. First and second boosters, um, so so there's, there's so there's basically problems. But then there should be sort of surveying. There should be greater uh, there should be greater knowledge uh, around all of this. You Which know? of course can happen if you incentivize it. If the email that came with the survey had ten bucks attached to it, then maybe you would have filled it out. <laughs> I'd do more than that for 10 bucks, mate. But I'll tell you what, one thing about the reporting on this is the reporting in news.com.au, which I actually found out about today looking up fucking Pete. But this guy, Frank Chung, he's done heaps of news reporting on basically anti-vax stuff. He's pretty fucking pilled. Hmm. And while the, the the article on Phelps is completely reasonable and he really did do a pretty basic up and down journalism job, he also quotes a guy named Ty Dye who is a DJ, musician, millennial, or Zoomer bullshit, yeah. whatever. And this fucking guy, he does promoted Facebook posts. That's why I know he exists with this peeled bullshit about how APRA is trying to cover up his medical records and the APRA is actually formed by the WEF because they have an oh, ABN okay. and they can be bought well, that, like yeah. a company. This guy's yeah. a fucking idiot. This Frank yeah. Chung guy well, he's a, yeah, quotes he's a him. 
yeah. quotes him in the fucking article and has another article based on all this anecdotal shit he comes up with. This guy's a fucking cooked unit and this journalist is more than happy to take his word for it because, well, he seems like the anti-vac guy at news now. So, yeah, I think the Phelps aspect of it is valid. But oh, it's perfectly also, valid. It's this perfectly fuckhead, valid. But it's... this fuckhead is also quoting people who are making shit up because they're pilled. How okay. can you but those are two differentiate? Separate, those are two separate notions. It's right? so hard to differentiate. If Phelps has a very high esteem, and that's why we can take her word for it, but you have this guy with well, a straight she, face no reporting on a cooker, and then you put it next to someone like Phelps. Why are they in the same article? You fucking hack. Just don't put Phelps in an article with tie-dye the cooker. Yeah. Statistically, it's possible. Statistically, it's possible that the the, the couple, her and her partner, have both suffered adverse reactions. Now, the ones that she talked about suffering herself, you would put in the minor category. That's crazy because they're not the two same things. But the wife and the thing, you're right. It is a bit like lightning striking twice in the same place. That was one of the first things I thought, like, how can you you and your wife both have an adverse reaction? But, yeah, look, crazier things have happened. You know, like it's not out of the out of the ordinary but yeah it yeah. just really pissed but me the off the point this is let's have the data yeah, that's right let's have it as 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 decent set of data as 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 we possibly can yeah it's a big deal you know and if there were fuck and ups, it, it is really important know. to 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 counteract disinformation mm-hmm. and finding the balance between the and two hiding is very it hard. hiding it away or being a being a, an opaque organization like TG, the TGA is is just not going to yeah, work fair. In this current environment, be honest, be transparent, be accountable. And a reminder to all our patrons that we'll be discussing some huge cooker stories in our Overflow episode later this week, but only if you've ponied up for the content. And in this week's ep, uh, Monica's living in a van down by the river. (laughs) And a self-set fuck-knuckle Wayne Glue, who, when he's not living in a van down by the river... Uh, has been issuing arrest warrants for WA and police. Magistrates, apparently. Yeah, it's great. Oh, and magistrates yeah, too. It's oh, very funny. That'll work. That's going to play out. You know, that, what could possibly we'll go We'll be looking there? further into that. We've got that tip today. <laughs> and in deeply pleasing news, and to the surprise of no one, Nazi boy Tom Sewell has been convicted of assaulting a security guard at Channel 9's Melbourne yep, HQ. He's on bail awaiting sentencing, so have a Merry Christmas, shit stain, but Easter's bound not to be quite Yeah, as eat nuts. the ham now, fuckstick. So, listeners, become a Patreon now, or a patron indeed yes. now, and you'll have this stuff sitting in your stocking for Christmas when baby Jesus was born and a paleo diet was gnawing on a sheep when the shepherds weren't. It's a shame we gave baby Jesus so much liver in the baby yum yum and now baby Jesus is dead. <laughs> the baby Jesus has been on, been on the bone. Been on the bone Been broth. on the bone soup. Oh, and dear. now he's dead. And that leads us to... It has been a huge week in Pete Evans, huge. with the disgraced former celebrity pizza cook getting to a whopping 111 followers oh, on Twitter. He's made it. He's made oh, man. it. He's still got it, man. He's still got it. He's got that star power. You know, that irresistible draw. People just <laughs> want to know what he's up to. They just want to know what he's saying. Well, I mean, 111 people do. That's that. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't yeah. actually tweeted since his first one, uh, which was met with general derision from people who quite rightly think he's a bit of a flog. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a Nazi meme. It was, it was bad. He got all excited about Elon Musk taking over Twitter, you know, so he joined up. You know, he thought, oh, fuck yeah, this is, this is my time. This is my moment. He retweeted one of Musk's missives that just said, the bird is free. But 
just because Aww. the bird is free doesn't mean anyone gives a shit about you. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Disgraced. What part of disgrace do you not understand? But he's still going strong on Telegram. And by going strong, I mean sharing the usual bullshit, Tucker Carlson. Yes. And so much Elon Musk simping these days. Man, the platform doesn't even like you. Like, why are you bothering? But today's mm. Pete had something important to talk about. And this, oh. of course, was the submission uh, about long COVID from uh, Dr. Karen Phelps, who has revealed that she and her wife both had the long-standing adverse reactions to the Pfizer jab. We just discussed this, but I tell you what, her claims are going to be absolute catnip to anti-vaxxers while we completely respect her position on this. Man, they are going to go fucking nuts. But Pete, Pete yeah. just can't take a and win. Pete would have. Take a win, Pete. Pete would <laughs> Pete would have been all that. Just be this. happy. Oh, come on, so Pete. So Pete said in a fucking Telegram post this. The doctor above has publicly said on television and in print media that the paleo diet and I were dangerous. Mm. Ah, dangerous, Pete. Ah, <laughs> present tense. Not with 111 dollars. What an interesting journey. What is that? No, what is that? Index fingers up? Yeah, what is he's that? a fucking idiot. What an interesting journey. Wonderful to see that the doctor is now calling out the very dangerous shots. I wonder if they were looking to anti-inflammatory diets and natural therapies in their journey for health. Love, love, mm-hmm. love. Yeah, that's hate to love. No, it's called the grudge, Paleo Pete. It's a grudge. <laughs> You're angry. You're angry. You need to calm down. You know, drink some carver. In 2015, he apparently claimed that his paleo diet could cure serious health conditions, including asthma, yeah. dementia, and cancer, just casually. Mm-hmm. Bizarrely enough- You did that, Pete. Karen Phelps disagreed and said that the paleo diet had not been shown to shrink tumors, lead to cancer remission, stop asthma, or stop dementia. And she's, 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 a, she's a medical yes. doctor, right? And Pete? No, no. Peter, Pete's no. an idiot. No. So she said this, I think the claims are at best optimistic and at worst fraudulent, which, yes, Ooh, ouch, but- Got that F word in let there. Let it go, Peter. Let it go, Peter Darrell. Just let it go. So he couldn't quite let it sit. And he came back with this alongside a video of Phelps on Q&A advocating for masks. Oh. This was 90 minutes later. So he's just bubbling, bubbling away. <laughs> I wonder, he says, if the doctor from the above post had read the hundreds of studies that say masks don't work, but in fact make you sicker. <laughs> Where's that? Where's yeah. that? Pete? There is not one peer-reviewed study that says masks work at all. Oh, there are lots, Yes, Pete. there are. How many experts, in inverted commas, have spoken complete lies over the last few years, or are they just lazy? And there's a space between lazy and <laughs> And then, <laughs> because he's an idiot, and then the the index finger yeah, again. Yeah, it's because there's a video above. You know that he's pointing oh, to content. I yeah, see. that's text yeah. text, not a screenshot. He's pointing. He's pointing. But look, it appears that Pete has a bee in his bonnet, and it goes that saying there are several peer reviewed studies, as you said, su- suggest that masks do work by preventing the spread of SARS CoV two. But just say shit. Don't worry about it, Pete. No one expects you to tell the truth anymore. You've got your own truth. You just tell us that, <laughs> and we'll just pat you on the head and tell you it's going to be okay. Of course, he posted some more bullshit, including some memes about the efficacy of masks, but then he just couldn't fucking help himself. He had to keep going. So he posted a screenshot of one of Phelps' tweets. She said this. I have a few things to say about the start of the new, in hashtag for some reason, school year. Mm. Return to primary school classrooms should be delayed until vaccination levels are optimal. Mitigation measures are completed and the peak of this wave of the COVID-19 passes. Yeah. That's, that came from yeah, Karen. And right? Pete didn't like this. He responded with this. No, yeah, he's going to hate that. Imagine promoting a dangerous poison 
to the public and then being injured by the same dangerous poison with a capital P for some <laughs> reason, you told others to inject into themselves and their children, look yeah. above, look yeah, above. Exactly. Look above. Yeah. And like- It's very rude all that pointing, and, isn't and it? Well, yeah, fucking, just imagine what a finger pointer he would be. Did your mother ever tell you it's rude to yeah, point? He's, he's a bit like that. So look, this should be a great moment for Pete and Annie Vaxxers like, you know what it's like? The moment mm. someone d- does this, they just like, yes- Phelps is not only a respected member of the medical fraternity, once president of the AMA, but also a total darling of that sort of centre-left group, you know, your intellectual class. They, you know, Mm. we respect her, right? So the revelation of her vaccine injury in the parliamentary submission has already found its way to the desk of Frank Chung, who I mentioned before, who has been mixing her story with actual anti-vaxxers and fuckhead cookers like that tie-dye moron who's pushing the idea that WHO has bought APRA idiot mm. and of course this is just going to yeah. mean that every fucking ailment from here on wood is going to be from the vaccine and if you weren't vaccinated it's because you were shed on so i'm not looking forward to that but <laughs> you're right we do need to look further into this and we do need to have an open heart to it because these things do exist and we do get a little bit all or nothing about it so let's just let's just roll mm. with these punches but the thing is Pete can't take the win he's holding it's that grudge can't. and he can't let it go and while people <laughs> like meryl dory will be smiling from Ear to ear today, Pete just simmers away in his little angry boy booster chair, trying to find ways to get at his arch nemesis from a rivalry that started and probably ended about seven years ago. She she, she would barely would remember who not he is. think about it at night. But no. that's our Pete, you know? If he was a yeah. graceful, decent human being, this segment would suck. It wouldn't exist. No. But thankfully, he's a malignant narcissist that constantly gives us reasons to mock him. Thanks, it's Pete. great. Bless you, Pete. I mean, I was really worried. Zippy Babbitt almost took your spot. Genuinely thought that you were done. We made the intro music for him and everything, but it's good to have you back, mate. It's good to have you back. Mate, it's, good. it's great. He's back. He's Bless. back. And you have been listening to the Condition Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. Jack can found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunch Moses with AK. Set up a Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share it on social media. Uh, we have a Patreon, and uh, I have mentioned this three or four times. Yes, not in an effort to strong arm you. We have laboured the anyway. point. Uh, but we do have a Patreon to keep this uh, sustainable. It's a labour of love, and we but we still have to pay the rent, of course. Yeah, exactly. We do have expenses, and God, it would really help if I could work less. But for as little as $5 a month, you get all sorts of bonus content. It's really good. It's great. It's totally worth it. We, we try and make it worth it. And finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you're seeking asylum at my place because the cops are looking for you. Da, would you like some borscht? Yeah, da, yeah. Das for Danya. And a baby wipe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, his bum's gone back into my head. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> listeners. I'm going to end on that note. Please, Simeon, please use the baby wipes. <laughs> Here's some hands. Merry Christmas, listeners. Merry Christmas, guys. See ya. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me! You guys are bastards!